everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspired Nomad Pandemic Edition. So again, in this episode, we're talking uh, from for, to former nomads who are now grounded due to the pandemic about what it's like to be a former nomad, hoping to be a nomad again, um, and the future of travel and lots of topics in between. I am Heather Markell, and I am once again coming to you from my kitchen in Kirikiri, New Zealand, though I did actually manage to go to Auckland this past week. So yay, I did leave Kirikiri, um, though I love Kirikiri too. Um, with me tonight is a guest that I have had on the show before. So very excited to have Julie London back with us. So Julie, can you just reintroduce yourself and let us know where you are at this moment? Yeah, hi, it's great to see you again, Heather. I have spent the last two and a half years traveling, mostly in Central America, and now I am living in Albania. Wow. Um, that's, a, you know what, my, um, my New York hairdresser is from Albania, although I haven't seen her for a while, so I have actually wanted to go there for a while. Um, so... I know before when we talked, you were living in, um, was it um, Panama. Costa Rica? Panama. Weren't you living in Panama? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In Panama. Um, and um, Boca, was it Boca del Toro? Yep. Yep. Okay. And, um, and then I know that you've done a bunch of traveling and you actually went back to America. Was it for Christmas? I can't remember. You were in Mexico. I feel like you were in Mexico and then you went home to visit your parents. Yeah, exactly. I um, left Panama to do some traveling. I went to Nicaragua and El Salvador and then spent six weeks in uh, Mexico and was on my way to the Philippines. And I stopped to visit my folks for 10 days and then everything shut down because of COVID. Yeah. Oh, that was, didn't you have like a cool diving ship and we were talking about meeting up in Borneo in like April? Yeah, I had a snorkeling trip planned in uh, Borneo and Sulawesi in Indonesia. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's, uh, that's been pushed so, back. So, yeah. Hopefully that'll happen this April, this coming up April now. <laughs> so um, your 10 day trip home turned into how much time? It turned into three months in San Diego, um, basically okay. quarantining with my folks. I was, they're both high risk. So I was kind of keeping an eye on them and keeping them safe. And um, once I felt like they had everything sort of dialed in, in this new reality, I left for Colorado and I spent a couple months in Colorado staying with friends. So what was... So this is basically like February through what, June or something or May? It was March. I was in um, San Diego March to June and then June to mid-August in, in Colorado. So what was that like? I mean, there's just been so much stuff happening in America and obviously so many cases of COVID. Like what was it like being home at that point? It was really scary when it all went down. I mean, I was I was in San Diego, but I was taking the train to Los Angeles to catch my plane. And literally that morning, I got a notification that my flight to the Philippines was canceled. And I went up to LA anyway, because I had plans to spend a few days with friends. 
and everything was shutting down while I was there. My friends were being told to work from home. Things were, the store shelves were getting bare. Um, it was really freaky. And I basically decided to go back home and set my parents up. Cause at that point they were saying a two, possibly two weeks, right? And so I decided to set them up with two weeks of food. And I bought another plane ticket to go to Mexico to stay with my sister because she lives in Puerto Vallarta. And then the official declaration of like California shutdown came out and I didn't feel like I could leave my folks. So I canceled another plane ticket and decided to stay and kind of make sure they were all right. And that was literally me just being in the backyard in the house. I mean, we didn't go anywhere for three months just to get food, have them put it in the trunk at the grocery store. That was it. Wow. Um, and at that point where was everybody wearing masks and being good or mixed? It was, well, originally, you know, the CDC and the U S government were saying, don't wear masks. I think mainly because they were worried about not having enough protective gear <clears throat> for the hospital and emergency personnel. Um, I decided to start wearing a mask kind of early on. And I felt like a total freak, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, the one time that I went into a, a grocery store before they had sort of set up the delivery and the pickup options, we still had to go into the store. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a very mixed bag, I would say. I'm often, I'm often reflecting like, this is the longest time I've been not just in one country, but like one place <laughs> in three years. Um, what's it been like for you to go from sort of being nomadic and, um, even though I know that you were basically living in Boca del Toro, I think you still did a fair amount of traveling. Um, what's it been like to sort of have to stay in one place for so long? Um, it was very disturbing. <laughs> I mean, for yeah. a lot of people, my, my life was completely upended literally overnight and I went from having all of the freedom in the world to go pretty much anywhere I wanted to being able to go nowhere, not even leave the home. And yeah, I mean, it was sort of a good time for introspection and reflection and all of that kind of thing. Um, I think I've adjusted pretty well, all in all, but that at the time in San Diego was definitely tough. Being in, going to Colorado was kind of like, I felt like I could breathe again because I was with friends. Um, we were semi-socially isolated just because we were living up in the mountains. All of the activities were outdoors. Um, people were wearing masks. And so I felt like I could, I could move around relatively freely and feel safe. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been very, very freaky and very disturbing, obviously. Has, has that introspection and reflection changed anything for you about how you think of travel or what you might do in the future? No, <laughs> not really. I mean, it just, it just <laughs> kind of, <laughs> it kind of committed me more to the lifestyle in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, it's been interesting coming to a country like Albania. I mean, I, I chose Albania. I spent months, um, trying to figure out where I was gonna go because I made the decision three years ago to leave the US. And just because of the pandemic, I wasn't gonna stay. You know, I've made modifications to my lifestyle. I'm not really traveling anymore. I'm traveling locally, but I'm not, yeah. um, you know, going far and wide. And 
I chose Albania because it was one of the few countries that was allowing Mex um, Americans in. I was intending to come here anyway at the end of the summer and the cost of living is very low and um, it's supposed to be super beautiful, which it's turned out to be. But the reality of how this country is dealing with COVID versus the US and I think a lot of the world is very different. Um, it feels almost like it doesn't exist here. Um, you know, when I arrived, there was, I decided to self quarantine for two weeks in the capital before I, I moved to where I am now. Um, but that wasn't required at all. There was no test required. There is a mask mandate, but even in the capitals, very, very loosely followed. Um, bars and restaurants are open. Um, yeah, it doesn't, and, even, and here where I am now in Saranda, which is a resort city on the coast, um, it's like, it really doesn't exist. I mean, people don't social distance at all. There's the government just came out with a mandatory mask mandate. I think it was last week that you have to wear masks in public, but people aren't really doing it, you know. Are, are there cases there or not a lot? Yeah, well, there's not a lot. I mean, this is a small country. The population is only 3 million. So if you look at the case numbers, they're low compared to a place like the US with a population that's yeah. like a hundred times larger. Um, but Albania also has a really, uh, one of the poorest healthcare systems in the entirety of Europe. And apparently they're doing the least amount of testing of any country in Europe, Western, Eastern, wow. whatever. So yeah, the cases are definitely rising here, um, but the numbers in reality, I don't think probably don't sync up so much. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, I know for me, it's weird, like, um, we have Jacinda, yay! <laughs> I know, you're so in the whole world. <laughs> the best place in the whole world. Totally. Um, so, um, you know, um, there's like 5 million people here and I don't know, something like 50 K, well, we are rising as well, meaning like there were say like a couple of cases and now there's probably like 50 or more, mostly in isolation. Um, and they just like, um, kind of knock it like as there was community spread a while ago, they shut, they put us into lockdown again, but a low level, there's some more community spread now. They think they've identified the cluster, but um, if uh, that gets out of hand, I'm sure they're gonna like go to lockdown again. Um, but here it's like, I mean, I just went to the All Blacks as the national rugby team. I just went to a game, there are 48,000 people in a stadium. Um, wow. People, people are hugging, people are like, I joke, we're in lockdown level one, which different countries, this is the other confusion, I think. Every country has, handles it differently as you were saying and like i think like here level one is the lowest lockdown whereas like in america i think level one is the highest lockdown so um so here we're in the lowest level of lockdown and i joke like at level one we could lick everybody like not that you want to but you could so um yeah. you know and it's it's really and it's just weird to be like it's like totally normal life. And then looking at other countries where um, it's just spiraling. And I wonder what the future of human contact will be in some places. 
So I think that's rough. Yeah, it's disturbing right now because the I'm sure you've seen the news and the cases in Europe, Western Europe, at least that's what's mostly getting the reporting, except for they're talking about Chechia a little bit. But um, the yeah, they're hugely on the rise. And it's like the, the next wave is here. So yeah, what is that going to mean? And I don't think it's good. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm curious too, like no need to say um, anything about um, details, but did you, did you, were you able to send in an absentee ballot for the upcoming election? <laughs> like, did you bother? Oh my God, it's been so challenging. Voting has been so stressful for me because yeah, I registered for an absentee ballot, but I have a virtual mailbox. All my, all my mail gets sent to a virtual address I have in Nevada. And then from there, okay. I can forward it or do whatever I want with it. Well, my absentee ballot arrived at, I think it was like September 25th or something. And meanwhile, I get an email from the embassy here, the capital city is Toronto. So I get an email from the embassy in Toronto saying, we need your ballots by October 3rd. And I'm like, there's no way I can get my ballot here and then to the embassy, which is a five hour drive from here in time. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's take it's not hasn't been easy to find the information. But what I I finally uh, was able to piece together was that as a, uh, a California voter, I can fax my ballot, and I can oh. fill in. Uh, I forget the name of it, but basically, it's a federal write-in ballot where if you haven't received your absentee ballot for whatever reason, then you can download this PDF, fill that out and fax it. So I was able to fax it in last week, but I don't actually have any confidence that it arrived because <laughs> the woman was yeah. like, you know, it's like going beep, 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 beep for like 10 minutes and it's still going beep, beep, beep. And she's like, okay, it's good, it's done. And I'm like, can I have the confirmation? And she's like, huh, I don't understand. And I'm like, that's not, and I didn't get uh, confirmation from, from the registrar in San Diego, but supposedly I can mail it in. And then I guess they just do all this reconciliation where they're like, okay, we got this ballot, but we didn't get this ballot, but we got it here. And then hopefully it gets counted. I mean, yeah. Fortunately, I'm yeah. from a state that's gonna, that's almost hundred percent to go my choice anyway. Um, okay. But I just, you know, I just, I want to participate in the process, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I was, it, it was really stressful here too, in terms, I mean, and of course, each of our states has a different rule, like I couldn't fax my ballot in for New York State, um, and um, thank God I somehow, I, I had applied for an email ballot, because I knew there was no way I would get a mail ballot, because the mail is just taking too long, um, so I had the ballot emailed and there's all these rules. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to Auckland. I can drop it off in the US embassy mailbag. And, you know, and then it turned out I had to get the ballot in, like you said, that, well, October 2nd here instead of October 3rd. And I was like, oh shoot, I'm going like the next week. So I um, express mailed it to Auckland and supposedly it was in the mailbag and hopefully it gets counted. And I did get, um, I actually got a phone call from a volunteer confirming that I received my wow. ballot, that I, right? That my details were correct. So I feel like I tried my best and I hope also that my vote gets counted, but. Yeah, that's all we can do, right? 
I don't yeah. understand why. So, I feel like every embassy should be like a legitimate polling place. I don't understand I why they're not. That would have actually that's really smart. That could have just let us go in and and vote on like in place. Um, and yeah, that's a really good idea for next time. <laughs> um, so at this point, I think I know that you are in Albania for you had booked your place for several months. Is that like before the pandemic? Was that kind of how you were traveling, like kind of going places for a longer period of time? Yeah, I'm a I'm a slow traveler, so yeah. I like to okay. go to one place and kind of like soak it up as much as I can and get a real sense of the culture and, and maybe a little bit of the language and um, yeah, so that's not so different from how I normally travel. Although one of the reasons I chose Albania also it's a 12 month visa for Americans. Okay, great. So I knew that if I came here and the whole world shut down again, I wasn't going to run into that added stress of like, oh, my visa expires in 15 days. Where am I going to go? Um, right. So yeah, I can be here until next August if I need to be. And I have my apartment through the beginning of December right now. And then I go month to month. Um, and realistically, I imagine I'll be here for a while. I mean, I really okay. like it anyway. I really, I've, yeah. I've met some wonderful people and it actually, it's been a super easy transition to this country. It's pretty amazing. So great. I'm very, I'm very happy to be here right now. You know, I've been thinking a lot about the, like, so um, I came here on a 90 day tourist authority, not even a visa, um, which they extended till the end of September. And then I paid and applied for an actual tourist visa that would be um, 12 months from the date of arrival and um, got a message saying um, they hadn't gotten around to processing my application, but they, they know it's in the system. So here's some paperwork, stay for six more months. And if we get around to processing your application before then and decide something else, we'll let you know. Um, so, but you know, with remote working becoming more and more common and accepted, um, I hope that in the new world, like what's the point of a 90 day visa? Like, I feel like we should be able to stay. I mean, as long as you're not, I mean, there has to be some ground rules, right? But like, as long as you're not taking a job away from a national. Um, right. You know, or using a lot of social services and not paying taxes. Right. So, um, you know, I feel like why not let somebody from one country who's a good citizen and has a job park themselves for several months and work remotely and experience a new culture and, um, foster like international understanding and um, I don't know like I really and inject that money works. into the economy you know what I yeah, mean totally like I, I do feel like my being here is a benefit to 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 a lot of the people of Albania because I'm you know I'm helping share my financial success you know yes yeah and that's such a good point because um I know traveling especially last year for me was such like a um a pivotal year it was it was the most fun I've ever had in my life but also traveling through like South America and Africa and I, I really have never um 
I look in America, I know there's poverty. I've just never like gone through, um, seen a lot like firsthand and watching like in South America and Africa and getting much closer to that. It's like, I, you know, kind of like how there's so much wealth in the world. Like, how is it possible that some people are really, really, really rich and some people are this poor? It just doesn't make sense. And I think what you just said, like, wouldn't that be neat if, if, yeah, exactly. It's like, if, if we distribute wealth, literally by distributing people um, and help, you know, like that would be a really neat world to be in. <laughs> Do you, as you, you know, as you think about, um, I know you'll be parked there for a while. Um, when travel becomes more possible or I don't know. I don't know that it'll ever go back exactly to the way it was, but do you see like jumping on planes and going places again, or how do you imagine the future of travel will be for you? I do. I think eventually we'll get back to a similar to where we were before, maybe with some added precautions or proof of vaccination. Like you have to have a, you know, a yellow fever vaccine to go to some countries. Maybe it'll be like that. I don't know yet, but and I'm supposed to go back to, I'm supposed to go to Indonesia. The trip that I originally had scheduled for last April was just moved out a year. I have a feeling it won't happen. Um, but in theory, that's where I'm supposed to be next. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, I have to say, um, it's weird because like, I, I didn't watch much of the debates um back home but i know that there was a big news story here that in new zealand that um the as the debate the first debate was going on the number of searches for like can i move to new zealand like skyrocketed <laughs> <laughs> so um so i think there's a good number of americans that um are already thinking of flying the coup and leaving the country and i imagine that um if one person wins over the other, there's going to be a lot of people that want to leave. So um, <laughs> like, what, what would you have to say in terms of, cause you know, that like, these are the people that maybe um, think like they seriously want to leave, but I haven't really seriously given any thought to getting out um, except wouldn't it be great to be somewhere else, right? Like any, thoughts or advice on, you know, how to make that life possible or like a couple of tips on what to do before you like fly the coup? <laughs> um, I think there's certain things that you can pre prepare just like logistically and administratively in your life that will ease some of the burdens and maybe reduce your total costs. Things like figuring out your cell phone and figuring out your health insurance and getting your banking set up so that you're not paying these ridiculous ATM fees everywhere, stuff like that. And doing some research, you know, and being willing to maybe land someplace that doesn't work out so much and check someplace else out. But I'd honestly just say, go for it. You know what I mean? Don't let fear hold you back. Uh, you'll figure it out. I know so many people who are out here teaching English online, you know, um, there's ways to figure out how to support yourself if you're not financially independent. People do it all the time. And yeah, uh, yeah it's totally possible. You just got to be willing to, to accept the 
unknown as part of the kind of constant. Well, and, and the irony, I feel like people like you and I are so well prepared and adjusted for the pandemic and beyond because we've been in the unknown for so long and actually people that think they aren't in the unknown as we are actually are <laughs> and that's been probably some of the upheaval emotionally is like we don't know what's happening tomorrow and frankly we don't really know none of us really knows what's actually happening with the pandemic anyway so um um so i feel like um getting a grasp and adjustment of like life being i don't know <laughs> is as an important skill to have yeah and you know the other thing that i found too is like um it's totally different in terms of meeting people and making friends when you're traveling you bond with people really quickly um, because you're all in this big situ this situation where you don't really have much control or know know a lot of about where you are or how things work or whatever it is you meet people and you have a social group pretty quickly you know so even if you go out there solo you know you you have the choice to be alone only when you want to be alone you yes. know what I mean yeah I agree with that um, and I know, um, so my birthday's coming up frightfully soon and you just had a birthday. Um, what was it like, you know, being somewhere like away from friends, family, but like, what'd you do for your birthday and how was it? It was actually great. So I've been here in, uh, Saranda, the town I'm living in for two months and pretty quickly fell in with a group of people that I just clicked with and, um, yeah, I took a birthday road trip with two of them and we went to um, this medieval town and yeah, it's just, there's so much to see in Albania. It's a really fascinating country. So you've got archeological sites, you've got, you know, medieval towns, you've got communist era, uh, cold war bunkers everywhere and buildings and the people are really warm and, you know, it's very agrarian kind of lifestyle when you get out of the cities, which are small. Um, so yeah, there's so much to explore here and that's what we did. I've, I've taken a couple of road trips now here. Um, everyone should come to Albania. It's a beautiful place. It's a great place <laughs> to spend your birthday. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, and it sounds like good quality of life. You have a beautiful apartment. Your view is unbelievable um, and, and affordable, like really like, cheap in terms of living um, economy? Yeah, the cost, the cost of living here is really low and the quality of life is, uh, is high. I mean, it's, this is a developing country. So, you know, you have to cope with all of the things that a developing country brings with it. But um, the, the food here is amazing. Um, you know, it's Mediterranean, very, lots of Greek influence. Um, the cost of living is low. It's, a very mild winter for Europe. This is Southeastern Europe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, important question. So was there a shortage of toilet paper there in Albania? I don't think so. I don't think, I mean, there hasn't really been, apparently what I've been told is that a lot of Albanians believe the whole thing is a hoax. Um, 
yeah, so they're really, I mean, I think other than, you know, they have these disinfection stations. Like when I got off the plane and I saw a couple in the capital city, they're basically like, um, kind of like big metal detectors that you would walk through and they just spray this like disinfectant mist on you. So other okay. than that, and you do see signs that say wear a mask and some social distancing signs on the floor. Um, yeah. But other, other than that, I think for the bulk of the population here, they, there have been almost no changes to, to their lifestyle. Um, yeah, I, I found that it's like, it's also weird to me, America, which is supposedly is or was one of the wealthiest nations uh, out there, has had the most atrocious stories of not enough stuff on the shelves and hoarding. Um, it was crazy. It was crazy. You were there for it, right? Yeah, I was there. And I mean, you would go into the stores and it would be like the entire pasta aisle. It was a kind of interesting, actually, because you would see what doesn't sell, what people don't like, you know, yeah. what variety of Pringles is the last can standing, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. cauliflower pasta gluten-free. That's the only thing on the shelf. But yeah, even after, at the end of my time in California, three months in, we could not buy things like paper towels. We were having to order these giant industrial rolls from <laughs> Amazon, yeah. you know, like office supplies. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty shocking. Um, you know, and it's funny because in New Zealand, they um, they had announcements every day in the supermarket, like, please think about other people when you shop, take only what you need, leave food for others. There was like tons of toilet paper, like the only, short. it's funny that you say that the only real shortage of stuff that I noticed at the beginning was flour, like, people, oh, people were baking. baking their own food, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so such a different experience here than, um, than back in America. And, and I feel like America really stood out for me and how much hoarding you, I heard about as compared to, um, I don't even know if Europe was on par with that or not at the time, but um, it didn't seem like it. Yeah, I think it's been interesting to see the sort of different responses in different regions of the world to the pandemic. And I think in this case, our strong sense of individualism, we really value that in America, kind of did not serve us so well. You saw countries in Asia where they're much more, you know, I don't know what the word is, but you know, they just kind of fell in line to do the thing that the government was telling them to do and just kind of like, yes, we're going to wear a mask. It didn't become a whole like political issue. Um, right. And yeah, I think in that sense, like uh, our individualistic natures were worked against us a little bit. Yeah. And speaking of Asia, um, you know, it just seems like, um, like it or not, I mean, I feel kind of like America has lost or is losing its superpower status. I'm not saying that's mm -hmm. good or bad, but and it seems like that's going to be shifting over to Asia or it already has. Um, do you have any, like I, neither of us is profit or really qualified at all. I'm just, I'm just asking for opinions. Like what, what do you think about that? I don't, 
I think for so long, America has been this like sort of beacon to the rest of the world, you know, this idea of like individual freedom and liberty, and you can come to this country and you can make something of yourself out of nothing. Um, and in that respect, I think it's a shame that we're, we're kind of, we're falling very, very short in that realm right now, because we're not, we're not setting a good example. We're not being a good global citizens. We're not working together with other nations to try and solve this problem. So in that respect, I think, I think it's sad, but I'm hoping that with this election, things might change and maybe we can start to get back on the track a little bit. Well, and I've wondered too, if, um, you know, you think about the American dream, um, which was like for an immigrant to come with nothing and make something of themselves, as you said. And I wonder if that, that American dream is outdated now. Um, and, uh, because somehow the idea of making something of yourself today seems in America, like at least the messaging I was seeing was like, make tons of money, spend all, as much as it as you can and buy stuff you don't need with that money. And right. that's and demonstrate, like wear it, own it, show it. That is, you know, the epitome of now the current American dream, which, which wasn't, like, I don't know that that's everybody's dream. <laughs> um, and I don't really know that that's success. Um, I don't think, I mean, to me, that's just consumerism. And I think that might be the natural outgrowth of a capitalist society, right? We yeah. need consumers. Um, and so we're taught to consume. And so that's from, you know, when we're this high. And so that's what we grow up believing. But in my experience, People outside of the U.S. and in developing countries still really believe in the American dream, and they still want to go to America. You know? Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they still do now. <laughs> At um, least here they do. They do here. Okay. Um, well, hopefully it will be. A, I don't know. I mean, um, when I, th when I think about it, and I certainly have been part of the consumerist mentality. And when I had a corporate job, I loved like, you know, spending money and buying stuff and eating out and, you know, participating in that whole thing. Um, and now I feel like bad that like, I, I mean, I'm, I guess I was supporting local, if you will. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I feel like I would have, um, I regret not making more of a difference um, in the world with with the money that I had back then that like and it's funny like I, having less some somehow inspires me to make more of a difference than than I was when I had more money so I, I don't know <laughs> I understand I mean I you know my budget is is limited and when I worked you know I had much more cash to spend um I prefer it this way you know, I feel like it's kind of getting down to the reality, like what is important, what's really important, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, it's not having 30 pairs of shoes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So true. Um, so any other, like any other tips or information you want to share in terms of like this sort of new world, this pandemic world and um any thoughts or future of travel thoughts? 
Um, I would say if you do decide to travel right now, understand that <laughs> everything, I mean, even more than normal, you have to be prepared for anything to happen at any time. And, you know, you might have to quarantine, you might have to lock down, you might not be able to get a flight, you, who knows? I mean, anything, anything is a possibility right now. So, um, one of the, I mean, and, and, which is kind of lends itself to not traveling as much or traveling, really thinking about a safety zone. Like um, there's so many places I want to go back to that I went to last year and all of which I'm like, well, I'm not sure um, health-wise. And that's the other thing is you don't want to be part of the problem, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I could get, uh, there's a bunch of countries in this region that are open um, that I could go to. And I would love to explore, but I don't think now is the right time. I don't want to be potentially spreading this thing around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, it's like whether you, it's, it's such an odd thought to be like, I, well, I want to go, there's the, I really want to go and discover. And by doing so, you'd be supporting the travel industry, but you also could be making yourself sick and making other people sick. And what a weird conundrum to be in yeah um, and I think it's true that like especially for people that are, that are sort of very adventurous and like to explore you tend to dismiss what's right in your own backyard as not interesting yeah. or not you know what I mean there's so many other places bucket list items and things to do but I think there's a lot of I think you can have a really interesting experience right in your own backyard you know true yeah I agree um, yeah, very true. So, um, so thank you for, uh, for being here today. I think this has been like a really neat interview where we've kind of covered, um, <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground, which has been quite interesting. Um, and, um, so any last like thoughts or anything before we close tonight's interview? I would just say, don't be afraid, live your dream. We, I think the one thing this pandemic has taught us is that You've got to take you've got to take those opportunities when they're presented because they might they might not be there in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if um, if somebody listening or watching um, today's episode wanted to get in touch with you and ask you about Albania or anything, um, what's the best way for them to do that? They probably should just shoot me an email, and my email address is jalondon like the city at gmail.com. Perfect. Um, well, thank you again for being my guest for a second time. Um, it's been very enlightening. Um, I appreciate your time. And for anybody that is uh, listening or watching to this episode, if you think that you should be a guest um, in future, you can fill out a questionnaire and apply to be a guest at www.interviewquestionnaire.com. I welcome any thoughts, opinions, feedback. Um, if, if you'd like to email me at heather at heathermarkell.com. And once again, this has been another pandemic edition of the Inspired Nomads <laughs> podcast series. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And I will see you or you will see or hear me on the next episode. Thanks again. Bye. Bye.